Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Actually, I think we are joined by uh, the one and only Scott Weiner, founder of Scott's Pizza Tours, monthly columnist for Pizza Today magazine, host of Thrillist's Really Dough, and the Guinness World Record holder for the largest collection of pizza boxes. Hello, Scott. Hey, hey, hey. How's it going? It's going great. Scott, first, you know, you pronounce your name Weiner rather than Weiner, even though it's W-I-E-N-E-R? I before E, except after C. And so you still say you say Weiner, not Weiner. That's correct. Interesting, yeah. it, but because I always thought it was the other way around. I always thought if it was like Anthony Weiner, our colleague uh, on Saturdays, he he's W E I N E R. He pronounces it Weiner. He sure does. Yeah, we we pronounce ours Weiner. Well, uh, so be it. Well, I guess different strokes for different folks. All right, I, I mentioned you are in the Guinness Book of World Records for. Having the largest pizza box collection, you've certainly gotten a lot of attention for this all over the place, literally all over the world. How large is your pizza box collection? The current number is 1,732. Wow, 1,732. Where do you keep them all? (laughs) That's a good question. I've got most of them are in my apartment in Brooklyn, and that's probably about 1,200, 1,300, and then... There's another couple of hundred in my parents' house in New Jersey, and then there's about 150 of them somewhere in in the UK, in Manchester, in a warehouse. Hmm. <laughs> it was like a long story. We, we we did a we did an event in Manchester in 2015, and the company that borrowed them has yet to send them back. What inspired you to start collecting pizza boxes? I, I've gotten exposed to a lot of pizza boxes over the years. I never thought to keep any of them. What made you decide to keep some of them? Yeah, I grew up seeing the same boxes over and over again. And I think once I started to see boxes that were different from what I was used to, I realized that the world was much bigger than, you know, what I grew up exposed to. And uh, suddenly I started just saving the ones that I thought looked interesting and looked different and from different countries if I was traveling. And then it just became my thing. And friends and family started saving boxes from their trips. They made their vacations all about looking at pizzerias, pizza boxes, and one thing led to another. And the next thing I know, I have like four or 500 boxes. What would you say is your most unique, most distinctive pizza box? I really love the boxes that are rare, and they all become rare over time. But the older boxes are great. The ones that are tied to marketing campaigns are interesting. But I have my favorite ones are the trademark infringement boxes. And these are usually European boxes that have cartoon characters, but are clearly unlicensed versions of those characters. And I just love them. They're, they're generic boxes. They're like what we have as you've tried the rest, now try the best, that kind of thing. Generic <laughs> stock boxes. And, um, you know, they'll have characters that look like Bart and Homer Simpson, but they're slightly different. They're different enough so they can get away with it. And I love those. The, do they? Do the people that control the licenses for the actual character ever go after these pizza chains or these pizza uh, restaurants for trademark infringement or anything like that? 
So the, the ones that are generic boxes, they're short-lived. Usually by the time that somebody finds out about it, they're not in print anymore, so it doesn't matter. Disney goes after them. Mm. 20th Century Fox, who owns The Simpsons, they would go after it. But I contacted them because I wrote a book all about pizza box mm. art in the history of pizza boxes called Viva La Pizza, The Art of the Pizza Box. And for that book, I I contacted Matt Groening and uh, the you know, creator of The Simpsons and 20th Century Fox, and they said the image is not really theirs. It's different enough, so yeah. they don't don't really have the right to go after it. You alluded to when you were growing up, you noticed a lot of pizza shops using the same boxes. How common is that? How common is it to uh, encounter five or six different pizza restaurants and have them use the same pizza boxes for delivery? It's very common. The way that pizza box design works is that you either have a custom box or if you want to save 20, 25, maybe 30%, then you use a generic stock box. And that's the box that's usually owned by either the box printer or the food distributor. So when you're buying all your food for your restaurant, you can check off a little box on the order form that says, oh, yeah, give me 500 pizza boxes this hmm. week. And, and if you do that and you don't do the custom ones, you're just going to get whatever image is on the box. That's a generic stock box. So it's very common in New York. It's more common in the Midwest and the West Coast to get something custom. I think that, well, that surprises me a little bit. I would think that New York, which takes a lot of pride in its pizza, would have pizza shops that actually took a lot of pride in originality of boxes. But I guess maybe they're too busy with the pizza ovens and the recipes to worry about distinctive uh, pizza box art. I, I'd say if you're known for anything other than the um, collection of pizza boxes widely, it's these pizza tours that you've been doing. You're the founder of Scott's Pizza Tours. I haven't been on one yet, but I've seen the documentary, and I find it just fascinating. And I've talked to a lot of people that have gone, and everybody seems to have a good time. What are Scott's Pizza Tours if people aren't familiar with them? Well, we started doing these tours back in 2008, and the concept was always to expose people to a variety of pizza styles back to back to back to back so that we could better explain the differences in styles in terms of the science, history, and culture from each pizza stop. So on a typical tour, we visit a few pizzerias, but it's more about looking behind the scenes, understanding the fermentation method, the tomato selection, cheese preparation, all the details that you wouldn't know just by visiting as a customer. Hmm. And how do you learn that stuff? How do you learn the fermentation method, for instance? Well, at first I learned by just reading general pizza books. And then I started reading pizza trade magazines and then attending pizza trade shows and uh, then asking a ton of questions. But then it's gotten a lot deeper. And now I spend a lot of time researching by going to the tomato harvest in California or in Southern Italy and Buffalo farms and I do as much firsthand research as possible to get the science and the culture. And then for the history, I do a ton of primary source research documents and photographs. Uh, I'm sure this is an unfair question, and I'm sure it's also probably one of the most common questions that you, you get on a regular basis. But if you had to pick, what is the best, or if you're not willing to be so definitive, your favorite pizzeria in all of New York City? You know, it's funny. I, I I do get the question a lot, and it really depends on style, because I I don't think it's fair to to put a Neapolitan pizzeria 
in the same category as Slice Shop. But there are definitely places that I feel like, like a place like Joe's or John's on Bleecker Street, where they're dependable. I know what I'm going to get. But then, but neither of those are places that are um, doing anything that's that out of the ordinary. So if I want something more out of the ordinary, then there are some spots in Lower East Side or in Brooklyn that I like. But it's almost an impossible question to answer because I don't feel like all pizzerias are trying to do mm. the same thing. You know what I mean? The, the word pizza does not just mean one dish. It refers to an entire genre of dishes. So g- give me give me one or two that you think are uh, superlative for an individual pizza style. Give me one that you like for this, one that you like for that, that stand out in your view. Well, for a New York slice shop, I really like what they do at Scars in the Lower East Side. I really like what they do at Luigi's in Park Slope, Brooklyn. If you're looking for something that's a little bit more nuanced and a little bit more, I don't know, somebody who's tweaking with the formula, I just had Bellucci's Pizzeria up in Astoria, which was very good. Lindustry in Brooklyn is super good. But if I'm doing something old school classic, you know, it's Arturo's on, mm. on Houston and Thompson which I actually just went to tonight, so that's why it's on my mind. Or there's a place like Totono's on Coney Island, which has been closed since March 2020. But Yeah, what's the story with them? Are they reopening? Uh, I don't know. It, they Their last Facebook post uh, almost a year ago at this point was – oh, no, I'm sorry, a few months ago – was about how they were thinking about doing something like a frozen line, but I've got no new information. I went over there the other day just to scope it out. No activity. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's disappointing. Uh, that uh, to me is some of the best that I've had. Now, when we talk about pizza, what do we know about the history of pizza? Where did it come from? I think most people believe that it came from Italy and probably Naples. Is that accurate? And what do we know about how long pizza has been served? Well, we know the best evidence points to Naples and some cities surrounding Naples, basically that region of Campania in southern Italy. And it all happened probably around the mid-18th century. And this is based on writing that has surfaced and tons of pieces of writing from the 19th century. So the assumption is that it probably existed earlier than that. So somewhere around southern Italy, and the concept was weighing down a flattened piece of dough with something edible, like, you know, eventually tomato and cheese, but putting some weight on a flattened piece of dough for the purpose of cooling down the floor of an overheated bread oven. And so the whole concept was about flattening out a piece of bread Mm. dough, weighing it down with whatever, and, um, and baking that just to temper the floor of the oven. Which is why if you go to a Neapolitan pizzeria, they brag about how hot the oven is, how fast the pizza cooks. And that's all because when that food emerged in the mid-1700s, it, it was a tool for bakers to cool down the floor of the oven. So that's, that's why that style exists. My wife, she is of the belief, and this is a point that we differ on. That in order for something to be a pizza, it's got to have three ingredients. It's got to have crust, red sauce, and cheese. Now, I brought this up on the air, and I expected all the listeners to agree with me. Sure enough, a whole bunch agreed with her. In your view, what makes something a pizza pie? 
Well, I think a lot of people base their definition of a food on what they experienced in childhood. So for most people, their personal, and the word, I'll use your word, their personal belief is that it's cheese, sauce, and crust. But I would argue that, first of all, a white pizza has no sauce, is still a pizza. Mm. A pizza marinara, which is just tomato, garlic, oil, and oregano, has no cheese, and it is absolutely still a pizza. And really, probably the first pizza in the mid-18th century is a pizza called the Mastanicola, which is lard, basil, and a little bit of pecorino. Uh, No mozzarella and no red sauce. So really, I don't think the definition is based on ingredients. To me, it's based on the format. It's some substantial weight holding down a dough during the bake. That's the heart of the definition of the word pizza. Why are pizza boxes square when the pie is generally round? It's much cheaper to produce square boxes. There are round boxes out there, and I've got a ton of them in the collection. There are uh, boxes from Brazil. Brazil has used a lot of round boxes, but the box has to be formed, crimped, glued, and the top and the bottom don't fit together very well. So a square box is cheaper. It has more wiggle room on the edges for an imperfect-shaped pizza, and they're way easier to stack. I mean, for every reason in the world, pizza boxes should be square. A gentleman named Paul just emailed me with a question for you. And by the way, if people have questions, that will, you can call in and uh, ask Scott Wiener, the go-to pizza expert, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Uh, Paul writes, and I have no idea if this is true, years ago, pizza places had a big spoon of olive oil, which they applied in preparation in making a fresh pizza pie. Today, and for the past 35 years, no more olive oil. Why? Uh, any any reaction to that, Scott? Some places do still use olive oil. And my question, I have more questions about the question, but uh, just making the assumption that we're kind of talking about the same, like New York-style pizza, uh, some old-school places like Defara on Avenue J in Midwood, Brooklyn, they will still apply olive oil after the bake. Neapolitan pizzerias will usually do it before. But if there's a reason that people are not doing olive oil anymore, it's probably because We've switched over to low-moisture mozzarella, Mm. which has a lower water content, and it's shredded, usually shredded, which means that the cheese is able to break quickly, and over the course of a seven, eight-minute bake in a five, 600-degree oven, when the cheese breaks, the fat will exit the cheese, and it'll usually float up to the top. So you're getting plenty of oil. I've never heard anybody complain that there wasn't enough oil Uh, on there. No, absolutely. That's never been a problem, at least in New York from what I've seen. Uh, Another place that takes their pizza very seriously, I will say as seriously as New York does, is New Jersey. There are a lot of folks in New Jersey, particularly North Jersey, that love to call in and claim that their pizza is is the best. In fact, this was recently a, a Twitter battle between the state of New Jersey and and the state of New York. Where do you how do you rank? How do you grade New Jersey pizza on average? And are there any standout New Jersey pizzerias that you've been to that you think are particularly extraordinary? Well, the beauty of pizza right now is that there's nothing holding anybody back from making great pizza. There's nothing about New York City. I don't care what you've heard about the water or whatever. 
None of that's true. There's nothing that's holding anybody back from making great pizza. I grew up in New Jersey. I love pizza in New Jersey. There's some great spots. Razza in Jersey City is a newer place, uh, uh, absolutely phenomenal in Jersey City. Then there's Santillo's in Elizabeth, which is an amazing old school brick oven pizzeria run by Al Santillo uh, using a bakery oven that his grandfather used to use. I mean, just a great place. Uh, there's Rosie's, which is on the shore. I think it's in Long Branch. I mean, there's tons of great places in Jersey. Star Tavern. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Yeah, same, same. Uh, you, oh. uh, <laughs> so you you touched upon the common belief, at least it's common among New Yorkers, that it it's not the water in New York. Now, one of the common questions that uh, we get from New Yorkers that move to places like Arizona, to places like North Carolina, for years we heard it from people in Florida, people who've moved to places like Pennsylvania, is why can we not get the same kind of quality pizza in North Carolina, Arizona, Pennsylvania that we do in New York? Uh, one, do you agree with that characterization that the pizza in those places is inferior to New York? And two, if it's not the water, what is it? What I love about the complaint is that as soon as there's one great pizza in Arizona or in Florida, it completely debunks the whole theory. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. All it takes is one to crush it. Pizzeria Bianco in Phoenix, Arizona is an incredible pizzeria. The fact that other places don't make as good of a pizza as they do is totally their fault. It's not the fault of their water. So the reason that if you take a recipe from New York and go to Florida and then complain that it doesn't work the same, it's two things. Number one, it's it people forget that it, it's not a recipe. It's a biology and chemistry experiment. So if you don't understand what's in the water, then you, what you're essentially doing is swapping ingredients. The New York tap water is almost neutral in pH, which is pretty good. Like for baking, you want slightly acidic if you can. And then it's pretty low in chlorine, but it's not, devo it's not devoid of, pro of chlorine. And it's, it's a soft water. So my friends who are in Las Vegas, they filter their water. They do reverse osmosis, and they just clean out as much of the mineral content as they can. And then they can make great pizza done it's it's there's nothing magical that's in our water all it is is that our water is relatively neutral but as long as you have good water you can make good pizza it's that's a promise so you mentioned an exceptional pizza shop in in phoenix is it though true that the average rank and file slice that you're going to get in a place like Pennsylvania, North Carolina, and Arizona is not as good quality wise as your average rank and file New York slice? And if that is true, why is that the case if it's not the water? That's 100% true. It's, and the reason is not the water, it has to do with the city of New York itself, it's the culture of the city. So, like, New York City is it's a grid, it's got a subway system. People tend to not own cars in New York City. It's a pedestrian culture in the city, which is, it means that slice shops can be banging out pies, fresh pies nonstop all day. And it's not like that in rural Pennsylvania, for instance, where a, a slice shop can't have that kind of turnover. They can make as good of a pizza, but the demand is not there. 
I think it's unfair for us to expect hmm. every place in the world to perform with the same the same type of a business model as every other place or as a place like New York City when in reality it's the city and the culture of the city dictates the business model. Interesting. So if you want to open up a great slice shop but you don't have foot traffic it's not going to work, which means you're not going to end up having a good slice shop. Uh, we're talking with Scott Wiener. He's with uh, Scott's Pizza Tours. You can check out his website. He's the founder of Scott's Pizza Tours. You can check out his website, scottspizzatours.com, spelled exactly as it sounds. We'll take your pizza questions in just a minute, 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let me, we've, we've used a couple of different descriptions for styles of pizza and I've done that on the radio over the years, and sometimes people will call me and ask for a clarification, and I, I do my best to try and come up with uh, with what the proper definition is. But since I have you here, let me run a, a few common descriptions of pizza by you and have you just explain what it is, what its strengths are, what its weaknesses are. Now, how about one pizza that we haven't covered in this conversation yet is Sicilian. Uh, Sicilian, I think most people know as square and thick. Is there anything beyond that that makes something a Sicilian pie? Not really. It's um, I, I will mention a differentiation point between a Sicilian and what a lot of people call grandma's pizza is that with Sicilian pizza, the, it's thick because the dough is given time to proof while it's in the pan. So you would push it out into your pan. You would let it proof or rise up. And then you do the topping and baking. Whereas grandma's pizza, if you've had that before, it's not given that rise mm. time. It's pushed out in the pan and then it's immediately topped and baked. And um, you mentioned Neapolitan pizza. What exactly is Neapolitan style pizza? Yeah, Neapolitan pizza is really the, the origin point of all things pizza. And when we use that term today, it means that you're looking at a small format, 12-inch diameter round pizza with a thick cornicione, which is the name for the edge crust, the big puffy rim. And that rim is usually puffy and light and airy. And if you press it down with your finger, it'll bounce right back up. It very often has spotting on it because it's baked in a dome-shaped oven hmm. that's usually fueled with wood or with gas. Or now sometimes you see electric ovens. But it's always baked for a very short amount of time, under two minutes, at a very high temperature, 800, 900 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a typical Neapolitan pizza. One pizza that has proven pretty controversial with people, and this gets into a lot of regional wars with Midwesterners and Northeasterners, is Chicago-style pizza. I, I know that there are multiple types of Chicago-style pizza. I think when most people, at least on the East Coast, use the term, they're using it to describe a deep-dish pizza. It, what is Chicago-style pizza? What makes it different from the pizza that we are used to eating in New York and New Jersey? Well, definitely kudos to you for respecting the difference between the deep-dish pizza and Chicago's other indigenous styles, so good work. The uh, the deep dish pizza, which is definitely the most famous of styles from Chicago, is baked baked in around essentially a cake pan, and it usually has a low protein, like an all purpose flour, and a high oil content. So where New York style pizza might have a two percent oil content, Chicago deep dish will have an eight to fifteen percent 
oil content, which gives you a completely different outcome. It's like a biscuity kind of flakier crust, and it's usually filled with a lot and then baked for a long period of time. But uh, you, know, you mentioned that there are other styles as well. There's the Chicago Tavern style, which is the thin, crackery, round pizza that's cut into squares in a grid pattern, which is, by volume, that is by far more commonly eaten than the deep dish pizza. Where, where have do you, you had that one before? Uh, no, I, I don't know that I have, actually. I, I'm, I, and no, I, I've not spent much time in Chicago. So the only Chicago-style pizza is, uh, I think I ordered one from... Uh, Malnati's or the other establishment that uh, th- that ships out through Gold Belly uh, because I was so curious about it and I liked it. Where do you come down on the question of deep dish pizza? Which some people, I think, people ranging from uh, former Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia to John Stewart, they say it's not really even pizza. It's more like a kind of a pizza, a a, a sauce souffle. You know what? I would argue in court in defense of the deep dish pizza. I will take that case. Because there is nothing about deep dish pizza that that takes it away from the definition of pizza. It's a pan-baked pizza. Sure, it's got a higher fat content, but it's a yeasted dough. It's a longer bake. But I totally think it's pizza. I, I was just at the Pizza City Chicago Fest last weekend, two weeks ago. It's a festival of all pizza in Chicago. I had stuffed pizza. I had deep dish pizza. I... Uh, I Deep dish pizza is delicious. It's just that people get offended by it because it doesn't scratch that itch that a New York slice does for you. You know, when you grow up in the Northeast, you think of pizza mm-hmm. as a quick slice. You know, let's stop in after school and get a quick slice. But deep dish pizza violates that. It You got to wait 45 minutes. You can't just stand up and eat it at the corner. You got to sit down. You got to use a knife and a fork for it. I mean, there's so much about it that is an emotional violation, but none of it is a technical violation. And so um, if, if somebody so- has an issue with it, it's it's a paradigm issue. If you know someone I mean? wants to try it in the New York area, can you recommend a good spot that serves deep dish Chicago style pizza? Absolutely. Go to Emmett's at 50 McDougal Street. All right. That's good advice. All right. We're going to try and squeeze in as many calls as we can here in the next minute or two. Andy is in Old Forge, Pennsylvania. Andy, you're on with Scott Wiener. Hey, Scott. How, uh, Scott and Frank, how are you, gentlemen? Doing great, Andy. Thanks. What, what's your question? Because I do want to try and get to some other folks as well. Okay, sure. I'll make it quick, Frank. Um, Scott, uh, you know, I live in Old Forge, and it's a self-declared uh, pizza capital of the world. We have about a dozen Old Forge pizza places and some great local places. Is there any boxes that you would need that I could send you? Oh, that's nice. Old Forge pizza? You are a sweetheart. You know, I've been to Old Forge. I've eaten the pizza. I don't think I saved a single box. So if you feel like walking up and down Main Street and getting me a Gidgerelli's, Arcaro and Chanel's, Grammy, whatever you can, I would love it. Great. Um. Uh, let's talk a little bit later. If, uh, you could give me an address I could send the boxes to. Andy, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Um, and, uh, Kenneth will give you my email address and I'll connect you with Scott. Mike is in New Rochelle. Hello, Mike. Hello, Frank. Welcome back. Scott, I got a question for you. I live in Westchester and I think we're spoiled because we got a lot of great pizzerias around here to choose from. But my question is, what do you think is the proper temperature 
to eat a slice of pizza. I've seen people take it right from the oven and try to eat it, and it makes me scared. I like to let it sit for a little while. What do you say? I love your question so much. And for me, this is a personal question. For me, it's 160 Fahrenheit. And I actually bring an infrared thermometer with me on my tours. And I will zap every slice so we don't burn our mouths. For me, 160. Pizza comes out of the oven usually around 180, 190. You give it a couple minutes, just like you said. Boom. Great question, Mike. Uh, Jerry's on Long Island. Hello, Jerry. Hey, how you guys doing? Listen, you can't uh, ignore Long Island pizza. There's really very few bad pizza places on Long Island. Uh, I got eight in my own uh, zip code, for crying out loud, and they're pretty good. And we have good water. And like, um, you know, your guy was just saying that, you know, some of these places out west, they have to use reverse osmosis for the water and everything. And then I used to work for the state. I traveled all over upstate, and they got to lay pepperoni on it because it's just not good. And I was telling your screener that I used to work up in Albany, and um, you could never get a good pizza, but there was a Crossgates Mall, and finally I found a good slice. I said, what are you guys doing? 150 uh, pizzas a day. They put them in the canisters, drive them up in the truck, and they had good pizza. Well, now, I, in terms of go in ahead, terms Jim. of the deep dish, the deep dish, we had a place up there. It's a chain, Pizzeria Uno, and it's not bad. I would have it. You'd sit down. You'd have to have a salad with it. I thought it was good, but I have to agree with the former Supreme Court Justice and John Stewart. It's not pizza. It's I don't know. I call it. You mentioned a souffle. I call it pizza quiche or whatever. <laughs> but it's just not. You know, it's not. You got to hold it in your hand. And fair, you know, fair enough, Jerry. Fair enough, Jerry. Hey, uh, since Jerry hailing from Long Island, uh, do you have a favorite Long Island pizza establishment, Scott? I first thing that comes to my head is King Umberto's in Elmont. I love that place. Uh, uh, we got a break in about a minute, but uh, lightning round. If you had to pick best pizza chain of the big three, Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, Domino's, if forced to choose between one of them, what do you pick? I feel like the most consistently edible is Domino's, but the greatest heights I've experienced eating pizza at a chain was at a Little Caesars. Wow. Well, best dollar pizza in New York. None of the above. <laughs> uh, where do you come down on the unique style that L&B Spumoni Gardens serves? Love it. Sauce on top, pecorino on top of that. Give me more. It's spreading all around. You're seeing a lot of replicas of that happening around the country. That, that's for sure. Hey, Scott, I want to have you back. Uh, I have actually a ton of other pizza questions for you, and I want to talk a little bit more about the great work you're doing with Slice Out for Hunger. Maybe in a week or two we can, uh, we can chat further. I appreciate the time this morning. Thanks so much. And, yeah, I always love talking about Slice Out Hunger, so I'd love to do that. Absolutely. People can learn more about what Scott's doing. Uh, you can learn more about the pizza tours. You can see some of the pizza box collection and more about his efforts to battle hunger. Go to scottspizzatours.com, and there's a, a ton of interesting uh, information out, for, out there in the pizza world. You can also go to sliceouthunger.com. Org, which is a great program that sends pizza to shelters and soup kitchens around the country.